Let's get going. So good to see all of you this morning. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter number eight. And if you're new to Grace, maybe you've never been with us before, take a moment, grab that card on the seat in front of you and fill it out. And here at the end of the worship service, when you have our time of worshiping through giving, uh, the only thing we ever ask from our guests is for that card. And when you give us that card, we're going to donate $5 to the Gleaners House over here in Henderson to meet needs in the community. And I promise you, as our guests and visitors, and when you invite people and they come and they fill those cards out, the Gleaners House really does appreciate it every month. When we cut that check for them, uh, it really makes a difference in their ministry. So I want to encourage you to fill that out. Again, and thank you to the Sprags for leading us in worship this morning. Y'all pray for Scott. He's got strep throat. And I'm like, this, it's not even strep throat time of year, is it? And so, but he's got it. So anyway, if any of you kissed Scott last Sunday, you may be sick, okay? Uh, pray, pray for Scott and pray for Jenny because she probably did kiss him, amen? And as she, as she takes care of Scott and uh, just pray for them uh, that he'll get to feeling better really soon. Uh, you know, the last few weeks we've been talking about who we are in Christ. And the reason is because we need to be reminded, you know, uh, uh, Three weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we are ambassadors, that once we get saved, once we give our heart and life to Jesus Christ, we no longer represent us, we represent Jesus, that we represent God. Uh, Just like the United States would send an ambassador to another country, you are here. You've been left here on earth to represent his kingdom here. You're called to represent God. And then last week, we talked about the fact that we are God's workmanship. In some translations, it calls it masterpiece. Now, some of you may not feel like a masterpiece. Well, some of you probably do, right? You're here this morning. I am the masterpiece of God. Well, you are. You're God's workmanship. God, uh, his workmanship for what? Good works. And so we're going to continue that theme this week about who we are in Christ. But maybe right now for you, there's just too much life going on. There's too many things going on. There's too many obstacles, too many opponents, too many uh, things for you to try to overcome. Whatever you're facing, and, and when it seems like it's too big for you, I've got some good news for you. Look at this next slide this morning. Look at this. If you're a Christian, you're a conqueror. You may not feel like it this morning, but if you're a Christian, you are a conqueror. That's not who you're going to be. That's who you are positionally in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. You're a conqueror. And we, what have we been saying? When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And when you know who you are and you know what to do, you'll be in God's will. You need to know who you are in Christ. So let's look at it in God's word. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 31. So Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. It says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now track on down to verse 35. Go down to verse 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Let me ask you, what are you going through this week? What are you going through this morning? What difficulties are you facing? What hard time are you having? We'll go down to verse 37. No matter what you're going through this morning, yet in all these things we are what? Say it, church. Say it out loud. Okay, the people online couldn't hear that. What what are you, church? I mean, listen, that's who you are. Through him who loved us. 
That's who you are in and through Christ Jesus. Not your own strength, not your own power, but in him and in his power. The, pres- uh, the power of our risen Lord. You're more than a conqueror. Look at this next slide. The Greek word, it's hupenikeo. Uh, it's um, it's this, the picture of... Uh, to vanquish beyond recognition. I wanted to say to whoop somebody good, okay? Whoop somebody good. To gain a decisive victory, exceedingly more than a conqueror. In other words, you're not kicking a last-minute field goal to win the game, okay? It's not a a walk-off home run to seal the deal. It's not a a free throw at the end of the game uh, to to, uh, put you in the lead. This is more than when It's what Tennessee's going to do to Alabama in football this year. I believe it. I believe it. Amen. I'm going, I, don't, I believe in naming and claiming it, but I'm naming it and claiming it right there. Listen, that's who you are. You're exceedingly more than victorious. You're not just eking by in victory in Jesus. This is God kind of victory where he vanquishes all of your foes beyond recognition. We're talking, y'all remember the story in the Bible, the Egyptians? Remember when uh, God uh, told Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, set my people free. And finally, Pharaoh did that. He set the Israelite people free. They've been in bondage and slavery for 400 years. And as they're leaving, Pharaoh has a change of heart. He has a change of mind. He thinks, well, there goes all my gross domestic products right out the door. My GDP just walked right out. What are we going to do? we got to get our slaves back. So they come after the people of Israel. And so God, uh, through Moses, he parted the Red Sea, and the nation of Israel walked across on dry ground. Well, the army of Pharaoh followed right after them to try to go get them. Right? And what did God do? Poof! The water came down, the, uh, drowned that entire army, gone forever. That's the kind of victory that we're talking about. We're talking about this Gideon kind of victory where God uh, sends word to Gideon. Hey, Gideon, I want you to go whoop up good on those Midianites that are persecuting my people. And Gideon's like, God, do you know who you're talking to? I'm the least of my tribe. I'm the, I'm the least of the least of the least, and I'm the runt of the litter. You've got the wrong guy. And God said that he was a mighty man of Valor. That's not how Gideon saw himself. But God said, that's who you are. You're a mighty man of valor. And so Gideon is going to do what God says eventually. He gets up an army of 32,000 men. And so God sees that army of 32,000 men. He said, that's too many for me to get the glory out of this. So God whittled his army down to 300 men. Then he had those guys grab a torch and, uh, and uh, uh, take their swords, their weapons, uh, the torch, and some pitchers. And basically, he wanted them to surround the enemy at night, bang their pitchers, blow their little trumpets, <laughs> blow their trumpets. And what did God do? God caused the Midianites to turn on each other, and they killed each other. Right? This is the kind of victory that we're talking about, where God can do above and beyond exceedingly more than you can even imagine. Hubenikeo, that's who you are in Christ, victorious. Now listen, I don't want you to think this is one of those messages where we're saying that you're not going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time. Okay? Don't worry. Well, I've got 51 other weeks. Well, I'll tell you how bad things are. Okay? You're going to have difficulties. If you've been alive for longer than 30 seconds, you know, listen, when babies are born, they start crying because they're cold, right? It starts out with difficulties and all the way through to the end. If Christ tarries, you're going to have difficulties and hard times and problems and what we, <laughs> obstacles, okay? Things are going to be in your way, right? I'm not saying that. Jesus said in John 16, he says, in this world, 
In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's saying you're going to have difficulties and problems and crisis and, uh, and all of that, but be of good cheer. He's overcome it. And because Christ has overcome it, you've overcome it if positionally you're in Christ. He's given you that victory. For you to be a conqueror, there has to be something to conquer. Right? You're not a conqueror if there's never nothing to conquer. Right? You're not victorious if there's never anything to be victorious over. Those things are going to come. And maybe this morning you're thinking, well, I'm just, a, I'm just a regular, ordinary Christian. Listen, no such thing. You're either a, a spirit-filled conqueror or you're not a believer at all. You need to understand who you are. Revelation 12 talks about these end-time believers that overcome the evil one. Look at it in Revelation 12, 11 in your notes. It says, they overcame him, how? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Church, take some notes this morning. Write this down. You have victory by the blood of the lamb. You have victory. I just love it when I look at somebody right in the middle of their yawn, right? And they try to stop it. You You have victory by the blood of the lamb. Now, the blood of the lamb, if you're new to church and Christianese and, and the faith and all of that, you may think that's a little gross. We're talking about the lamb of God, Jesus, slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus shed his blood as a sacrifice, and there's power in his blood. By his blood, we're forgiven of our sins. We have access to the throne room of God, and he's redeemed us from a meaningless, pointless life. Now, also write this down. You also have victory by the words of your testimony. So it's by the power of the blood of Jesus and by the word of your testimony. What's that? That's your story of who God is and what God has done. Who God is and what he has done. If you've walked with God any amount of time, you should be able to look back and say, that's who God is and that's what he has done in my life. Right? This is what God has done for me. Think about that teenage boy, David. A little shepherd boy, minding his sheep. The nation of Israel is lined up on one side of a valley. The, uh, the Philistines are lined up on the other side of the valley. And that giant Goliath would come down every day. He would curse God. He would curse the nation of Israel. He'd call Saul a big sissy. I mean, he would just say anything and everything and just embarrass them. All of, everybody from King Saul all the way down to the average foot soldier were afraid of Goliath. And nobody would stand up to him. One day, this, the little shepherd boy, King, well, he's not King David yet, just a teenager. David, he shows up. And he walks up to uh, King Saul in front of his army. And David says, I'll whoop him. As we said, I'll fight him. And, you know, King Saul was like, you know, that's cute. Go home, play with your baby sheep. Right? That's cute. But see, what they didn't know was, and what David knew was, he had a word of testimony. David had a word of testimony. David said, you don't understand. You don't know who my God is. Because when I was watching my sheep, when the lion came to attack my sheep, God delivered the lion into my hands. When the, uh, the bear came to attack my sheep, God delivered the bear into my hands. And just like God delivered the lion, just like God delivered the bear, God is going to deliver that uncircumcised Philistine into my hands. Somebody give me a rock. He had a word of testimony. And you should too. Do you know him? What has he done in your life? You have victory by the blood of the lamb and by the words of your testimony. That's who you are, not who you hope to be. Someday, maybe I can have victory in Jesus. Even when we sing that old song, victory in Jesus, we're not talking about by and by, Lord, by and by. It's here and now. You can have victory. Not what you hope for someday. When you know who you are, 
you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you know what to do, and then you know that you're in the will of God doing what he has called you to do. You're more than a conqueror, an overcomer. Now, all right, so for those of you this morning, you're a believer. You, I, you know Jesus, and you, you believe, I'm a conqueror. Well, how do I fight? Write this down. Number one, you have to fight with a faith-filled attitude. 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 We're talking about your mind. Too many people come in with this faithless, wishy-washy, mamby-pamby. They lose the battle in their head before they ever fight it in the world, right? And maybe some of you are thinking right now, you're thinking, why are we talking about attitudes, right? You got to get your attitude right. Listen, look at this next slide. Faith-filled attitudes lead to faith-filled actions. You're never going to do what God's called you to do outwardly if you're not who he's called you to be inwardly. You're not going to live with faith-filled actions if you don't have faith-filled attitudes. You're not going to be the man of God, the woman of God that God has called you to be until you're the man of God, the woman of God in here and in here. It starts with faith-filled attitudes. It begins with the mind, man. What are you feeding your mind? Who are you? What, what story are you telling yourself? Godly beliefs lead to godly behavior. There are some people I know they don't believe God even though they say they do because they don't live like they believe God. Godly behavior often is the result of godly beliefs and attitudes. Ultimately, we live out what we really believe. We live out what we really believe. The battle starts in the mind. We go around, I call it the Eeyore mentality. Eeyore, you know. Nothing good ever happens to me. Right? Nothing good ever goes my way. Right? We, we have that mentality. We're like, my marriage is always going to be bad. Right? My husband's always going to be a jerk face. My wife is always going to be a nag, right? Uh, my kids are always going to be a disappointment. Or maybe I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to get a promotion. Things will never work out for me. Listen, it might be true. It might be true. I don't know what God's will for your life is, but that's a victim mentality. And I'm not saying that just saying, instead of saying my marriage will always be bad, instead of telling yourself my marriage is going to be good, if you don't put some umption behind that faith-filled attitude into faith-filled actions, nothing's going to change. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you always have gotten before. It's just the way it works. But it starts where? In the mind and in your heart. A faith-filled attitude, just living in faith. Who are you? More than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So what do you do when these negative thoughts and attitudes come in? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Look at it. It says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what we do. We take every thought captive. Every thought captive, right? And we make it obedient to Christ. I'm not talking about well, what the Kellys call a giddyit. I'm not talking about being a giddy idiot. Okay, pretending, you know, pretending like everything's fine when it's not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I'm saying name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. But God's word commands us to take every thought captive and hold it up, make it obedient to Christ and to his word. So whenever you start to think something contrary to the word of God, you bring it to Jesus. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus said, For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You grab that thought, and if it's not consistent with God's word, you make it obedient to Christ. And because of that, I'm not going to let what anybody says about me, what anybody thinks about me, I'm not going to let what anybody does to me stop me from being who God has called me to be. 
The one who called is able to enable me. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know what to do, you'll be in God's will. David in the Old Testament, I love this, okay, uh, that shepherd boy we were just talking about. Later on, as a mature adult, as king, he wrote Psalm 18, verse 29. Look at it. He says, he's saying, with God. He's saying, God, with you, I can run against the troop. He said, I can fight an army. That's what he's saying. I can fight an God, with you, I can whoop an army. By my God, I can leap over a wall. David is saying, God, with you, I'm Spider-Man. Okay, that's, that's who I am. God, with you on my side, I am a superhero, baby. There's no wall that's going to stop me from doing what God wants me to do. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the power to overcome all the temptations and the hurdles that this word is going to throw at you. You have the Holy Spirit. You've got literal resurrection power in your life at your disposal. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and in your heart, and he has made you a hypocondicator, a more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That's who you are if you trusted him. But it starts with your mind. You got to get your mind right. You got to get your mind right. It starts there. But number two, understand when we fight, our weapons are mighty in God. Our weapons are different than what the world offers. Our weapons are mighty in God. These are supernatural weapons, not limited to the weapons of this world. Matter of fact, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, he says, uh, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. If you're a Christian, you need to know who you are and what you have. You fight with supernatural weapons. Now, uh, 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 in Ephesians 6, I don't have that there for you. It's a, a, a passage of scripture that I used to pray for my family every day. I still pray it sometimes, but it's not on my everyday scripture rotation. By the way, I encourage you to pray scripture in your quiet time. Uh, pray scripture. It's God's will. It's God's word, and it can apply to your life. Ephesians 6 talks about the whole armor of Christ. So if you're a believer, if you've trusted Jesus, you have the helmet of salvation. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. You've got the shield of faith with which to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. You've got the belt of truth, shoes prepared with the gospel, and you fight the good fight with the sword of the spirit, which is the living word of God. Spiritual weapons, mighty in God. That's what you've got. I, I, who in here has watched The Princess? You remember the movie The Princess Bride? Raise your hand. Church participation time. Now, some of you are lying and like you ain't never seen that movie. I know you've seen that movie. One of the greatest movies of all time. Okay? It is. Don't argue with me. Right? R-O-U-T-S is Rodents of Unusual Size. R-U-S. Anyway, listen. Remember that the one character was trying to avenge his father's death? Right? Hello. My name is Enigno Montoya. You killed my father. Prepared to die. Does anybody remember that? It's the greatest movie of all time, people. Right? That's what you do, right? He knew what to do. He had a sword. He's ready. He knew what he was going to say. You hear it several times in the movie. Hello, my name is Antonio Montoya. You'll kill my father. Prepared to die. He knew what to do, and he knew what to say. You as a believer, you need to know what to do. You need to draw the, the sword of the Spirit of God, the living Word of God. And when your enemy, the devil, comes, you need to know that you're an overcomer, more than a conqueror by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of your testimony, and that you can do everything that God has called you to do. You vanquish the enemy. You fight with spiritual weapons. Look at this next slide. You don't just fight like a man. You fight like a man of God. 
You don't just fight like a woman. You fight like a woman of God. Don't fight like a child. You fight like a child of God. It's amazing all these things going on in the world, all the civil unrest, the protests, the rioting, the looting. You know, you talk to us guys, all us guys are macho. They say, we're, I wish they'd come down my street. Come down my street. It ain't going to be like that. They go to looting and riding around here. It's going to be pop, 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 pop. I'll tell you. Right? Who here hasn't thought that? Men, look at me. Who here hasn't thought that? Because if you haven't thought that, we're taking your man card when you leave, okay? <laughs> right? God, has, should have, God should have placed something in you, right? This innate desire to protect your family, right, and your loved ones. That should be part of your DNA as a man. But let me tell you something. Don't be one of these jabronis out here. Don't be one of these limp-wristed males that only like to talk about protecting their family. I'll protect my family. Come down here trying to burn my house down. I'll take care of them. I'll take them out. Right? Listen, the devil is trying to burn your family out of your home every single day of the year. When are you going to man up and be the man of God that God has called you to be and fight for your family now? What are you waiting for? Looters and right they're living in your house. You invite them in on the internet and crap. <laughs> now is the time. There is no more waiting. The devil is at your door. Man of God, woman of God, when are you going to fight like a man of God and a woman of God? What are you waiting for? Okay, all right, let's get, whew, this is supposed to be a positive message for you guys this morning. <laughs> Listen, you may have all sorts of hardships. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Remember last week we talked about God was the potter and we were the clay and he's shaping and molding us. That's what this is. So we have this treasure. We're the earthen vessels. What is this treasure in earthen vessels? Christ Jesus. This is Jesus in us. That's what he's saying here. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because we have the treasure, Christ Jesus in us. We're more than conquerors because we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. We've got the power of Christ in these jars of clay, and I'm begging you to believe it. You can, you can get past that unforgiveness that's been holding you back so long. You can overcome that addiction by the power of God. You can overcome that betrayal and have a good marriage by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can overcome your need to gossip and run others down by the power of the blood of Christ. You can overcome your sin and be a faithful child of God again through the power of Christ. God has helped so many people overcome these obstacles and these walls, these barriers of the sin in their life and God will do it in your life too if you'll surrender. But if you think you've got everything that you need, you don't. It's him. We have this treasure, Jesus, in this earthen vessel. Who are you this morning? Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 in your notes. He says, you are of God, little children. You are of God. If you've repented, turned from your sin, trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are of God, little children, and you've overcome them. Why? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. No more victim mentality. No more of I can't and we won't and none and I can't. No more of that. You're a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You are of God. When you know who you are, 
You'll know what to do. And I'm pleading with you. Believe who the Word of God says you are. Faithful attitudes. Spiritual weapons, mighty in God. Leading to faithful actions. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do you believe it? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we just surrender this time to you. God, that you would just move and speak and show yourself mighty in the life of your people. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Just for a moment. Pray for those around you. At this very moment, for those of you, you know that you're a believer. You know that you've been saved. You know that you've been forgiven. You know that you've been redeemed. You understand all of that. You know, right? And in this scripture that we've been reading, you know that it applies to you. But yet, in your life, there's an obstacle. There's a, a wall, a barrier. There, maybe there's some sin. There's something keeping you from being who God has called you to be. Don't you see what scripture says? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You need to give it to Jesus. Or maybe all of us as believers, as we think about our application prayer this morning, that all of us, that we recognize who we are in Christ, that we're more than conquerors, right? That we have uh, uh, God's power in our life through the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And your prayer is simply this, believer, Christian, your prayer this morning is simply this, God, help me to live as the person that you've called me to be. God, help me to live as someone who is victorious in Christ Jesus. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up all over the country. I'm going to pray for all of us. Why wouldn't you want to pray that prayer this morning? Father God, I just thank you that your word is true, living, active. Lord, I pray that we, your children, your little children, that we'll live with faith-filled attitudes because, God, we know it starts there. That's the only way that we're going to follow through with faith-filled actions. God, I pray that we would be more than conquerors, that we would recognize that we're more than conquerors, and we'll never surrender again to allowing the lies of the devil and this world to color and pollute who we are in you. Lord, I just want to honor you with my attitude and with my actions. Help me to remember what I have in you. Lord, help us to be forever grateful for your death, burial, and resurrection. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed. For those of you this morning, some of you, you can't say that. You can't say that you know that you're saved. You can't say that. It's just not true for you. And if you're going to be honest, you would say that your life, yeah, I mean, maybe you would never admit this to anybody else, but your life is really overrun with temptation, anxieties, fears, insecurities by sin. And maybe you try to do better, right? You, hey, I'm going to do better this week. I'm, I'm, this week, I'm going to do better. Today, I'm going to do better than I did yesterday. And you try to discipline yourself because you know some of the things that are in your life are not right for you. So you think that by your willpower, somehow, some way, you're going to fix it on your own. Listen, you can't. You can't. You need to be forgiven. You need to be redeemed, man. You need the power of God. Look up for just a second, guys. What the bad, you know, we call the gospel the good news. It's good news because there's bad news. And the bad news, well, look at this next slide. Look at this next verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Referring to those who do not have Jesus, right? Have never repented, turned from their sin, and trusted Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. 
What have we been talking about this morning? Living, right, in awareness and the glory of the power of God in your life now. Having the presence of God in your life now. That God saves us from our sin, right? That Jesus gives us access to the very throne room of God. So I know when I pray that our Heavenly Father hears my prayers and he's redeemed me from a meaningless life here and now. Someday, if you stand before God on the day of judgment, you never turn from your sin. You never get to the point where you recognize you're one of these people. You'll stand just like this verse says, and you will be punished with an everlasting destruction, right? You'll be separated from the presence of God and the glory of his power forever and ever and ever. That's the bad news. And that's the truth. That's the reality. That's who you are apart from Christ. Don't allow the devil to convince you that you've got what it takes because you don't. So what do we do? It's simple. First, we have to acknowledge that we're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I mess up. Do you mess up? Like we talk about it all the time. Minimum, lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterator at heart, right? You've told a lie. At some point, you've taken something that didn't belong to you. Some of you, you can check your garage, it's there. Um, uh, you've blasphemed, you used God's name in an unworthy manner, right? I mean, every, every single time you typed OMG, you're blaspheming God. Okay, every one of those blasphemy. Uh, God's word says that all liars and blasphemers will have their part in the lake of fire. Blasphemy. Um, an adulterer. Jesus said to look at a woman lust, you commit adultery with her in your heart. So every single one of us, if we're being honest, lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterators at heart. And that's what's waiting for us. But there's good news. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Paul said this. Paul says, it's not just first in order in the, in the Greek. This is first in importance. He said, I delivered you first of all that which I also received. He says, the number one thing, the top priority, the number one thing that you need to know is this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. So you have to know that you're a sinner, that you have sins. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You have to put your faith in that, that Christ died for our sins according to the Word of God. And that he was crucified for our sins. And on the third day, he was resurrected from the dead. Literally, physically, really resurrected in the flesh from the dead. You have to believe that to be saved. Now, maybe at some point in your life, you kind of thought you are putting your faith in God. But, you know, when you hear resurrection stories, they sound a little far-fetched. And, you know, is that, did that really happen? Is that really true? Listen, if you're not trusting the resurrected Jesus, you're not trusting in Jesus at all. This is required. You put your faith in that God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins, to be crucified, and to prove that he approved of that sacrifice for your sins, he resurrected him from the dead. And he's at the right hand of the Father even now. And when you believe that and sincerely put your faith and trust in that, God will save you. He'll forgive you. He will redeem you. He'll do it right now. He'll change you forever. You'll never be the same. And that's what you need, don't you? So what's holding you back right now? Is the devil telling you tomorrow? I'll get right next week, next time. I got some stuff I got to think about. There's nothing to think about. Are you a sinner? 
Right? Do you believe what Scripture says when it says that Jesus came and he died for your sin and that he was crucified and on the third day he was raised from the dead so that you could be forgiven of your sins? Do you believe that? If you do, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. That's all that's required. You don't need a theology de degree. You don't need to have the book, uh, the Bible memorized. You don't have to be the best person on the job come Monday. What you need right now is faith to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he is who the Word of God says that he is. Have you trusted him? What are you waiting for? Let's pray right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And right now in this moment, you know that you need to pray to receive Jesus Christ. Listen, guys, I'm a, I'm, I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you in that. And so if you're here right now and you know that now is the time that God is calling and you're believing by faith in his death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation, listen, I just want to pray with you. I will not drag you forward. You know that. We don't embarrass people here at Grace. That's not what we do. But I want the privilege of praying with you. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking. Just between you and the Lord, I just want the privilege of praying with you. If you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right now, would you, right there in your seat, just slip your hand up a little bit. Slip your hand up. I see you, man. Who else? I see you. I see you. In the front, you can put your hands down. Right there in your seat, even if you weren't one of those who just raised their hands, why don't you do business with God and simply say, pray a prayer like this. It's not these words. It's not like a password. But do business with God in your heart and simply say, God, I admit, I confess I'm a sinner. Lord, I sin, but I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him. Say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection. According to your word, according to scripture, God, I'm believing what you did for me. Your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Save me, Jesus. I believe it. Tell him. Say, Lord, all of me, I surrender to all of you. I want to encourage you, if you pray a prayer like that, God's word is clear. It says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you call on them? I want to encourage you to make that decision public this morning and do what so many else have done this morning and follow through in biblical believers' baptism. That's what we do. We get saved and then we get baptized to show the world that we're not ashamed of what Jesus did to publicly align ourselves with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. That, baptism doesn't save you, man, but trusting by faith in Christ does. And that same Christ wants you to be baptized. Maybe this morning you recognize that your baptism is out of whack. It's believer's baptism. We get saved and then we get baptized. If you've got anything out of order like that, you need to get that straight and walk in obedience with God. I encourage you to do that. Maybe this morning God is calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. This is your church home. This is where you're going to serve. This is where you're going to grow. This is where God has led you to. I want to encourage you to just come this morning and make that official. Put on the jersey. Be a part of the team, as we say. Is God calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family? Whatever it is, during this invitation, I want to encourage you to take time and do business with God. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us? You come. You come.